0: Mike Drohan. Together we'll explore the stories and journeys of ordinary people doing extraordinary things. We've all heard that age-old adage, never mix business with pleasure. My next guest found out directly what can happen when things go sour in Southeast Asia. Riding high with a number of successful Vietnamese hospitality startups to his name, Western Australian expat Andrew Lambie found his burgeoning empire scuttled overnight when a business agreement was dishonoured by a trusted friend. Ironically, it's Andrew's faith in humanity and altruistic nature which ultimately helps to re his business prospects. I met Andrew whilst admiring his bright orange vintage Vespa at the front of Nine Grains Bakery, Hoi An, which as it turned out, Andrew also owned. Aside from a love of all things two-wheeled and petrol-powered, His passion for developing business concepts which embrace social enterprise or commerce which maximizes social impact alongside profits for its owners, was ultimately the impetus to catch up and record this interview one humid day during the Vietnamese rainy season. Without further ado, I'm Mike Drohan and this is the Doing Epic Stuff podcast with my guest, Andrew Lambie. Andrew. Yes. Thank you for joining me on the Doing Epic Stuff podcast podcast more than welcome i know you're a pretty busy guy so i'm glad i could actually squeeze some time out of you before i leave An. sure yeah because uh, even when i first met you you were kind of running around doing a lot of things yeah and
1: it, i think you were on the way to a meeting or something like that but first time i met you was out in the front of nine greens because you took a photo on the vespa that yeah. is that is correct yeah
0: um so I was admiring Andrew's bright orange vintage Vespa. Yeah. And uh, Andrew kind of came along and said good day, introduced me, introduced himself, and allowed me to kind of have a bit of a look and, and drool over this thing. And I've got pictures of it on, on my camera, which I'll put into this podcast. Sure, 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 okay? yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I found out pretty shortly afterwards that aside from being a passionate uh, vintage Vespa collector yourself, that you've got a lot of things i've only got one on, at yeah? the moment Is just the
1: one just the one but i've got a uh the honda 67 cafe racer i'll have to send you a photograph of it it's beautiful it's in the, in the shop now um it should be finished i think it's nearly finished actually just doing redoing the chrome work but it's got a 160 cc um racing engine in this thing and so where they came out in 1967 because it's a honda 67 and um it came out with a 50 cc engine in it when it started and so a good friend of mine, James, he's a, a chief engineer on the super yachts all around the world. And so he built it. He customised this scene. And um, it's a pocket rocket. Um, that sounds like... I think I said
0: this to you last time. It sounds like a, a widow maker.
1: Yeah. Like something the, that... The back, prob- when you give it the gas, the back end just... It just wiggles. It, it <laughs> wiggles. Um, and it's 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 stunning. I, I once had it out the front of the bakery and... Um, There was this Aussie guy who came past and offered me five grand US cash. Mm, mm. I said no, it's not for sale. No, I love it. It's it's just it's beautiful, it's stunning. It's It's elongated fuel tank. It's silver with a black pinstripe down the centre. Um handmade leather seats. Mm. Um it's just you look at it and you go, it, it should be like in a museum. Like, Ugh. it's a masterpiece. Mo-
0: mobile uh, work of art. Yeah,
1: that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Anyway, we're going off track again. No, no, no. Right? no. Yeah. I'm, I'm all good for going yeah. That's
0: fine. <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, you... Uh, well, I found out pretty quickly, aside from being having this wicked-looking bright orange Vespa that I wanted, uh, you actually owned the cafe we were at, which yeah. is Nine Grains, um, and that... Uh, one of the the interesting elements of that cafe that you owned was that it was part of the streets program. Sure, Um, yeah. And maybe we'll go into a bit of detail about that in a sec, but I'll probably just kind of segue and say, aside from owning a cafe, um, Andrew had a whole slew of entrepreneurial endeavours involved in which we caught up for lunch, because I was like, this is an interesting dude, and Andrew was good enough to give me a bit of his time, so we just caught up to have a chat. And I found out about all these different projects you're involved in, um, and some of the key elements that I personally found really interesting uh, were were that a lot of these projects have uh, giving back in their DNA, which I think is you know it's it's the right direction for businesses in the collected conscious global economy, and I love it. And I'm always thinking myself, how can I integrate that into doing epic stuff? Um, And I think that you know. A lot of people are happy to have found one single passion or one thing, you know, they can they can f- spend their whole lives going, oh, what do I really care about? Yeah. And you've kind of found a way to explore all sorts of different passions um, mm. uh, and, and take them to an execution stage, which I think, you know, even doing that once can be challenging to an individual. So. Sure.
1: Look, I, I think it is difficult um, and it's not necessarily easy to do it overseas either you know i think yeah, that's oh, expat layer as well yeah, which maybe we'll start there too like what the hell are you doing in hoi an like so i came to vietnam uh, end of 2010 um i used to work for intercontinental hotels group uh 12 years um australia vietnam thailand um big hotel group yeah was the largest in the world by room count before um i think starwood has it now um, but worked across Holiday in Crown Plaza, um, Intercontinental. Um, I helped open the Intercontinental Melbourne, the Rialto on Collins Street, down oh, wow. New York end of town, not Paris end. Um, <laughs> in December 2009, global financial crisis. Um, right. Where's the time to open a hotel? The hotel was closed um, for a year. It used to be called um, Rialto Hotel in Collins. And before that, well, Intercon owned it at the time. And so they called it Rialto Hotel in Collins because they couldn't call it an intercontinental because it had not be refurbished. And before that, it used to be the Meridian. Um, oh, okay. Yes, yeah, yeah. The big, big, beautiful property. Yeah. And we used to have, um, we had market bar down on the ground floor. Um, and it used to have the original cobblestone laneway going through. And you could see where the tracks were from the carts that used to go up and down there. So it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. I think my fondest memory of working with that property was um, we'd finished the refurb, we had our CEO, I think it was Bruce McKenzie at the time, and our um, area GM, oh, I can see now, but I can't remember his name. It'll um, uh, come back to me later. And uh, I was there um, with one of my team, and we served them dinner. And now the only two people in the whole hotel, in the restaurant, this whole Big, beautiful hotel on either side, (laughs) and they left. And then afterwards, I said to Sabian and I said, go and get that bottle of champagne. (laughs) And so we did. And we were then the only two, well, apart from security walking around the property outside, we were the only two people in this hotel in Melbourne before it opened doors. And it was was surreal. It was really surreal. That's a movie scene. Yeah, and when you you get a chance, when you go into Intercon from Collins Street, and you walk through... It just opens up and when you look on both sides of the facade inside, um, at night time they light it up and it's, it's stunning. Oh, so beautiful.
0: Well, I'll be back in Melbourne, I'll go check it out. Yeah,
1: have a look. So, um, I came over to Da Nang um, end of 2010 to help open the Crown Plaza in Da Nang. Um, opened that project and then I went to Phuket to Panwa Bay, the opposite side to um, Patong on the other side where the naval oh. base is and where the cruise liners come in. The other coast. The other coast. Wow. Yeah. The coast
0: where the tourists don't go.
1: Exactly. Um, <laughs> so I helped open another property there. Um, when I was there, we had a, a tsunami warning that came through. We had to evacuate the hotel. That was interesting. Um, and then after I finished opening that project, um, then came back to Crown Plaza, Danao. Um. And then after that, long story short, two years in Hanoi, Um, working for a company there in hospitality, um, back and forth to Saigon. I think I did about a hundred flights to Saigon in every, each year. Um, And then I had the opportunity to, I said to my CEO at the time, I said, I'll do this project for you because I had some staffing issues. Mm. Um, But I said, I want to go back to being in hotels. And so he gave me the GM role at Sunrise in Hoi An, Um, Sunrise Premium Resort now. Um, So that was five years ago. Um, and then after that project, um, I then came into town and was GM of Alma Courtyard, a wellness spa and wellness property. Um, and uh, after I was doing that project for a year, um, we rebranded to Alma um, and because he, the ownership changed slightly, but I stayed on as GM. Um, during that time, I had opened um, the bakery. Um, I had started um, the coffee company and I owned a beach club whilst um, you were GM sure yeah
0: how, how are you divvying up your time to do it? and yeah. just segue again Andrew's always doing something so I yeah. feel like every time I meet you you're on the way to do three things which sure. I said to you like last weekend when I bumped into you I was like Andrew just make sure you have some time this weekend to yourself mate and just chill out and be like yeah 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 and then I saw you the following Monday you look tired you're like I was up last night thinking about things so how how did you
1: like explore launch concurrent businesses whilst you were a GM sure I, I think I think it comes back to being a GM and the fact that when I and even now um I go to Almanali um, sometimes because I'm a member of a gym there. Not that I use it as much as I should. Um, <laughs> Nobody does Yeah, I know. <laughs> Um And so because now when I go there, like I still see things that are not quite right. And mm-hmm. so I don't think you can ever take your GM hat off. And so when I walk around, I'll see things that are wrong and need to be fixed from a guest experience perspective, right? And so when I see that, I don't necessarily, I see it as a problem, but I see it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I go, well, the coffee was really terrible in the restaurant. So what's the problem? Is it the coffee's terrible? Or is it the way it was made? Okay. If it's not the way it was made, it was made. Okay. Then it's the coffee. So they're obviously buying the wrong coffee. Mm-hmm. So who's supplying them the coffee? So backtrack it and then I guess go back to the root cause of the problem. And from that, that can then be a business venture that you mm-hmm. can jump into. So,
0: so, these things, these other business ventures, they you they almost find you. You're not necessarily seeking them out. Mm. You you are always in the world with this GM hat on yeah, that you've developed sure. through professional experience. Yeah, and when you see, I think probably these opportunities are more uh, visible to you because of your extensive professional experience. Look, I, I think perhaps. you're right.
1: I think when I when I go through. Any business, or even just you know walking around town, you see things, and you go, "Well, why don't they do this? Mm. Why aren't they doing that?" It's like, well, if you did do it, you could make so much more money. So the, here's the question: the big difference between, I think,
0: what separates successful people and people wanting to be successful a lot of the time is the doing, right? Sure. It's that first step. And doing epic stuff. This whole concept is mm. about everyone wants to do shit, but. To take that first step's the hardest part so how did you yeah. become a first step guy because i feel like you're continually happy just to have a crack at things whereas people are generally risk adverse sure
1: i, I think first of all you you need to work out what is it you want to do you know what what is so what if it's a product or if it's um you know you want to open a, a restaurant you want to open a bar you want to produce a coffee cup you want to produce coffee what is it that you really want to do and why do you want to do that? What's the purpose? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I look at uh FIFO Street, for example, um, you know, for me in Vietnam there's amazing coffee. Um you can have, you know, Lavatsa, you can have illy um, there's lots of other brands, imported brands you can get here. Um, but actually most of those brands are not imported from where they're from. They're actually produced somewhere in China for a cheaper price point. Or really? for, for, for Ili, for example. Mm, I love a bit of Ili. Well, the Illy in Vietnam is mm. not from Italy.
0: Oh, this is like a size that's not from Japan.
1: Yeah. So it's it's roasted by a Korean coffee roaster in Hanoi. And I oh, won't yeah. say the name of the company because I know yeah. them. But uh, yeah. they've got the contract to roast it for Ili in Vietnam and send it through all of Southeast Asia. So you're not getting. So you're getting not getting. Italian no. Coffee? And it's roasted their profile, yes, but the beans. Mm. Uh, a source from Vietnam, so it's different. Huh. So for me, I wanted to be able to create a coffee product that was clean, number one, um, because there's a lot of coffee here in Vietnam that is not clean and it's not safe. Um, so I wanted to create a, create a product that was clean, um, it's, it's natural, it's coffee. We blend it together and we put it in a bag and we sell it, that's it, it's so, simple.
0: But how did you go from like, oh, this is an opportunity in this coffee thing, right? Yeah. And most people have these thoughts every day, like, oh, this guy could do, we could be doing this service better, or this gym could be doing this Mm. better. How? What makes you go from thinking that, which is what most people do, to actually doing something about it?
1: Uh, Like, have uh, you always been like that, or have you kind of developed that? Not really. I think I've developed that. Um, I never, I never, no, I wasn't like that when I was younger. Is it, is it a professionally honed
0: thing like for example from digital marketing and, and marketing professional services yeah. I've become considerably more I think analytical mm-hmm. and also skeptical because <laughs> sure, you have to be right yeah, yeah, yeah but
1: and the, you go through sure um, I think that I, I've become that um, that's for sure um, I, I never had it before um, and it's funny, you know, because even growing up and, you know, during the high school years, like in WA, um, you do your TE, not your HSC, like in the East Coast. Yep. Um, and so I wasn't the smartest kid in school. So I actually did my year 11-12, but I didn't do my TE. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't go to university. Mm-hmm. But instead, I started doing a, a thing called structured workplace learning where one day a week I was working at um, Burrswood Casino as a chef. Yeah. And so I started working my way up through the ranks and just wanted to get in at the ground roots level and just go for it. And so I think because I've gotten my career to where I am as a GM from a a professional perspective and I've studied as well at the Australian School of Hotel Management, I've done different wine programs with um, Treasury Wine Estate, which was South Corp Foster's own before for years in Adelaide um, and in Sydney. Um, And so I I think along the way I've I've developed things myself and I've pushed myself to, to learn more. And so... Now, when I see an opportunity, I go, well, it's actually not that hard to take that idea or that concept of the opportunity and make it come to life. And, and I think from that is finding other like-minded people. So like the, my coffee roaster, Fah, he's a good friend and I met him years ago, about five, five years ago now. Um, and I was just having a coffee in the old town just got chatting to this guy and you know that was it we had a coffee Mm. and then we became really good friends Um, and then he's like oh i actually roast some coffee i was like well that's great can (laughs) i see it and and learn more about it And then i did and i worked out where his farms are coming from and then i've just helped him now to set up his new factory um for coffee he's got three coffee roasting machines now because one's not enough um, they always
0: get crazy about this shit. I coffee know, roasters. Right. They start with one, and then you go to their house, and the, the entire house is like a. It's got three factory.
1: Like you've got the size of this room with three big coffee roasters. Mm. It's just like, really, do you need all three?
0: Oh, and they'll be adamant about it. yeah. It's, 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 Mind it's, you, it's like it's, me and motorbikes. Yeah, so yeah no, I, get I get it. it. I completely <laughs> get it.
1: Um, so that's why I, I guess, from the concept or idea to getting it to in production and getting it going, I don't. I don't even see that as a separate phase. Mm. It, for me, it actually just blends together as one. Well. Yeah. If that makes sense. I think um, it, it
0: feels like to me that that happens for you so organically and so naturally now. Yeah. Because of, I'd say a large part of that is your professional experience, having seen and been part of those things. Sure. Happening. Yeah. And I you've, guess so. you've it's probably shaped you in some way is that you're making conscious, unconscious decisions about what's a good or bad decision very quickly. Yeah. Because you've had to do it in high pressure environments sure. for a number of years. Yeah,
1: you, you you're probably you're right, but I don't I don't even think about it. Yeah, I don't you, think you, you do it consciously. No, no, I think yeah. it's just a decision that you you make and you you kinda of just know it's right. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, actually, You've don't, got a better, don't, a don't even touch it. Walk away now. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah And yeah, I've been in those positions before. And there's been some times, um, there, was this, there was this one time, um, there was a beautiful, beautiful property in town, um, down this little alleyway, and it had these two big wooden doors. And you opened up, and it walked into a courtyard, and there was two traditional houses, Vietnamese houses, that were from the mountains. And there was this beautiful little restaurant and i saw it i spoke to the owner but the owner was one of like five brothers Mm -hmm. and so um i was about to sign a five-year lease on this property um it was very expensive i can't remember what it was at the time but it was expensive this is about four years ago now and we're just about to sign off on it and then i met one of the brothers in saigon and he was like really happy you're taking it and i had all the branding worked out i employed a sales manager in Saigon who's already getting contracts for two groups to do a tour group in there for lunchtime. And so what the, the idea was, two groups at lunchtime, fill it full, get six, seven bucks per person for a lunch, do a cooking class in the morning before they arrive. So cooking class, two groups at lunchtime, and then tourist market at night time. So you close during the daytime, but you're open to okay. dinner. So it's an exclusive traditional Vietnamese house. You have dinner there, it's really local, local food, but it's in a very unique setting um Sounds beautiful yeah Great it's concept. stunning um <clears throat> i've got some photos i'll have to send you as well from that and i had all the branding nem which is taste um mm. vietnamese um, nice. so instead i gave the brand to a friend of mine who i created and he uses it for his restaurant now so um but getting back yeah getting back to the story so i met this brother in saigon um and he's like oh my brother wants to change one of the clauses in the contracts.
0: one and of these Invisible Five Brothers. Yes. It's <laughs> like a country movie. Tell me about that. it, right? And
1: so then I said, okay, we'll forward me the contract. And I sent it to my lawyer and, um, in Hanoi, uh, Trung. And, um, and she came back to me and she said, um, did you see what they wanted to change? I said, no, I didn't. I said, that's why, you know, I've got you. And she's like, well, they want to change the clause that if you are one day late on the bank transfer to, for the rental, then they can terminate your contract and termination of a contract includes the rest of the rental fee for the rest of the contract period plus a penalty. Oh wow. Now just so happens that one of the brothers was in charge of all the cash transportation for all the banks in central. Oh no. Uh, You're not telling me something's up. And so he knew all the bank managers. So I'm not saying he would have done something. No. However, the potential is there to say, hey Mike can you stop this transfer for a day? Bam. And then I'd break my clause in wow. contract. And so I'd lose everything. And so I already had the sales manager on board for two months. I had contracts that were signed, ready to start with tour groups. I had everything. Oh, so you were ready. Green light. I was ready. I had the green light before I signed the contract because it was so close to signing. <laughs> and yet this one clause and she said, walk away. I said, but well, I've got these contracts that are worth you know, a couple of hundred thousand dollars already. I've got this. So she said, walk away. Yeah, wow. And I'm like wow, that's... Uh, hence why the receding hairline already, you know, like <laughs> and that was four or five years ago. You know, so if you'd get it on and Goosebumps before. now still talking about it. Yeah, I got was, a little bit there, a little It bit. was just that, uh, you know, because I was so passionate about that and you know and y- y- your head just goes, Why would anyone do that? But mm. they do. So it's, it's so business. Careful. You've got to be so careful and you have to make sure you cover your ass, and if you don't, then you, you're done. I think it happens so easily here. It's such an
0: important thing is being yeah. able to walk away from something, even if you're super, super excited about it. Sure. If, if there's a critical red flag, yeah. I think people, and I'm probably have been guilty of it in the past, if we you just have. want something yep. too much, yeah. and you just go, No, I'm still going, but this is telling me not, and this is telling me not, but I had this idea six months ago, just keep going. But that, again, this comes back to having good. People to advise
1: you, yeah. and Good people to fill in the blanks in your own skill sets with sure. these endeavours. You got a Look, good lawyer, and I think that's the thing. You don't know everything, mm. and people even now. I'm constantly learning, um, and I think that's important to understand. That is that even in business and as a GM for many years now of hotels, there's certain situations that you put into and you go, Actually, I'm going to make that phone call and I'm going to call a friend and, and and find out, you know." What their thought is on this, or what their take is on it, because you're not always right. Um, And I think when you're looking at different business models and different angles and things, then you you need to consider that. You know, that's for sure. Yeah,
0: I I think that's absolutely right. And you you sort of touched on this before, is that you when you're the one of the reasons you've been able to launch uh, multiple businesses uh, successfully is that you've identified. People who can, who are the right resource to assist mm. with with particular elements of that business, and I think the 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 part which we, you probably didn't explicitly touch on, but I can see from an outside looking in, mm. is that you're an excellent communicator, and you formulate formulate relationships, interpersonal relationships well. Yeah. Uh, in the, and the power of that, especially in this digital economy, when people are behind computer screens and they think business is 99% computer. <sighs> yeah, I hate that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not. Uh, myself even meeting you and us vibing pretty well, mm. you know, that's led us down the path to doing this. Sure. And I can't advocate strongly enough how important it is to people, uh, whether it's business or personal or whatever, to, to keep building those interpersonal skills yeah. and be able to be relaxed yeah. and forward moving on your feet with other humans, face to face.
1: 100% that. agree, you know, and it's one of those things, like um, yesterday I met with one of the suppliers, um, New Viet Dairy, um, and one of the guys behind that, um, David Tai, he's a Iron Chef, Vietnam. And he's a good friend of mine, a really good friend of mine, oh, David cool. is. And so I worked with him on a new project recently in um, Bari Vintal, that resort I was talking about before. Um, But I met with one of his sales girls yesterday, chum. And so I met with her one-on-one, but they actually had the catalog printed and gave it to me with the prices and we went through everything together, spoke about everything. We didn't do everything via email. And I I hate that because, you know, so often people will give me a phone call and say, hey, hey, why haven't you replied to your email? I'm like, well, what email? Oh, I sent you an email this morning. Well, if it's that important, You can pick up the phone (laughs) and you can call me and say, "Hey, we've got this urgent issue, or we've got this, we've got this." Like, can you help respond? It's it's not a
0: replacement for direct communication. Emails, but people think it is. Yeah, that shits me.
1: Mm. Um, One of the best pieces of advice I got ever, and I won't tell you which GM it was, but he said to me, he said, "Andrew, he said, when you come back from holiday, open your email." and delete every single email that you received. <laughs> he said, because okay. if it's important, they'll
0: get back they'll to you. Back to you.
1: <laughs> I've heard that from a few really senior people. But <laughs> it's true. It's true, right? If you, if you send an email to someone and you didn't get a reply, you'd either a pick up the phone and say, hey, I sent you this email. Could you have a look at it for me? Or you'd resend the email saying, I know you've been super busy and you're away on holidays. This Could you is... take a look at this for me? Yeah. I, I need an answer. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, Absolutely. next time, scroll through, select, delete, delete. done. I'm, I'm
0: all for it. I, I hate email um, in general. I'm pretty, you know, it's an integral part to my, uh, my professional career today mm. in the, you know, digital marketing and media, so much email communication and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, I think you can become a slave to it and the danger of it, I find personally, if you're always checking your email, it's taking you out of the moment. It's taking your focus away. Sure. If you have a task at hand and you even like your mobile device is dangerous and can be mm. and you've got a, an Apple watch, I think. And, yeah, I do. You know, yeah. you're, you're in tune with it. You
1: use it. Constantly. It, it complements what you're doing probably more so, but I think it can become... It can be a distraction as well. Can be Completely. Distraction. completely complete mm. distraction, you know. And I think this is the thing is that with... With email as well, and you know, all these different messaging devices now, like uh, WhatsApp, Viber, WeChat, Line, which in Southeast Asia, I'll talk to one customer and they use WeChat because they're from China, okay? Yeah, and I talk to yeah. someone else and they use Viber. Yeah, talk to someone yeah. else and they use Line. It's like, yeah, Japan, really? Yeah. Can we just have someone needs we? to aggregate this? <laughs> sure, or create. Another app that has all these apps, these messaging apps that combine into one. Entity. And then it's just, it, it's hard, you know. We've mm. um, pulled in a lot of directions, I think, sure. as humans at the moment. And that is, that
0: development of, of this connected economy is outpacing our ability to keep up with it.
1: I feel like. And there's, there's no tone in an email. Mm, that's the real problem, isn't it? That's a huge problem, yeah. or with, with messaging. Um, you know, I had a message the other day, uh, and it was about um, a previous staff member, and um, I'd recommended him for another pro- position, and someone came back and said, you know, we interviewed and he wasn't um, suitable, um, too bad. So, <laughs> oh, so did they, they think he was too bad? Or, <laughs> no, that's like, too bad. That's too bad. Oh, he was too bad to get in but here. But which one was it? <laughs> so, I, I don't know. Pretty so important to clarify. I, I took it like... Too bad, like screw you, or too bad, man. Too, <laughs> but how do you take? How, uh, hello, yeah. what? What, what is? What is that though? And yeah. and that's what I that's what I bloody hate. You know, pick up the phone, talk to someone, and it's easy. Mm. It's mm. so simple. There's
0: there's complete clarity, isn't it? Because the tone, 100%. the tone of voice. And all sorts of
1: other factors sure that's why we speak that's why humans are able to speak you know it's funny because this thing can save so much yeah yeah, yet yeah, yeah. we don't use it yeah you know, it true. doesn't cost anything to talk and to communicate yet we find it so difficult to do sometimes I, I don't understand yeah. that you know I think we're getting worse with it because
0: except for the people who are, are, well we've lived through the the evolution of, of a really fast-tracked digital economy and sure. things moving and things yeah. and it's not like it's finished shit's going to get way crazier yeah but we've we've we were fortunate enough to be pre google maps and sure. yeah. pre interconnected communication so yeah. we can really appreciate how much it's benefited us mm. and i see my little nieces and nephews who were born in an era where messaging is the first form of communication a lot of the time and it's there is no perspective, and, and mm. I, I can't expect them to have perspective because yeah. they, they weren't born into it. No, no. So, I think, again, that's that's why um, uh, doing epic stuff exists. I'm trying to, uh, I guess, make people more aware that, that, that there are other avenues than just uh, relying on uh, what is on the internet yep. for your source of information. <laughs> exactly, exactly right. Uh, but... And, but also to reinforce like the beauty of, of human communication and how beneficial beneficial it can be not just in a business sense but mm. a personal sense and all that sort of jazz. Yeah. Um, and we might sort of let's segue into into the giving for the giving aspect of your businesses and sure. And maybe if you want to give us a little rundown of the businesses you're involved in at the moment, just yeah. a quick synopsis of those. Sure. And. Maybe, yeah, then head towards the ones that have sort of the, the free-fo-fur element and this sort of bits and how you yeah. come up with these ideas. Yeah. It's,
1: it's super interesting to me and I love this sort of stuff. So, the two businesses now, um, I've got uh, um, Nine Grains, um, which is a bakery, um, and... Excellent coffee. Best coffee in Hoi An. So Thank you. Without well, a doubt, and well, I'm a super fi-fi coffee fi-fi roastery coffee, yeah, and the second business is five for roastery um, so Um, A little bit about um, Nine Grains, I established Nine Grains four years ago now, Um, yeah, four years ago, roughly, um, give or take, Mm -hmm. Um, and I had a Vietnamese business partner at the time. Um, Long story short, I lost my bakery, I lost my beach club and I lost the coffee company. I lost everything, Um, only because of a piece of paper, because a business license had him and his wife on, I trusted him. Is Um, Is this something that could only happen in Southeast Asia? Or just is something that can happen in business? I think in business in general. Um, it's not just here. Um, it does happen here a lot. Um, and you think you can trust people, but then it just doesn't happen. So, um, long story short, um, I've had the bakery again now for the last um, two years. I, I had to buy it back, even though I, everything I invested into it to start with. So, um, And for the last couple of years, I've been busy doing um, other projects and, and working uh, for, for companies. And so... Um, streets is a not-for-profit here. No, Streets is, um, basically, it's a, a not-for-profit that takes street kids um, mm-hmm. and educates them for an 18-month window. So they're, they're housed, they have a house parent that looks after them, they go to the market every day, they buy their own food, they have an allowance for food, they cook, they clean at home. I mean, for 18 months, they have um, this program that we go through, so six months is general, just, basic learning, so hygiene, starting to learn English, um, other components as well of general life. I mean, 12 months um, is either front of house, so service training for waiter, waitress, or back of house um, for uh, kitchen as a chef. And so um, now with uh, Nine Grands and with Streets is that they can actually learn how to be a pastry chef as well. So before they could learn just to be, a, not just to be, but they could learn to be a chef. But now there's a the pastry component as well. So that's nine grains, I guess. So um,
0: opening up the the a world of, of potential uh, employment through sure. assisting people who are perhaps underprivileged. Hundred percent, they all are. Yeah, and they're giving them the skills to then move on and and join business entities and and work as hard as mm. they want to work to be professionals yeah. in the
1: industry. There was this w- cool. one story I remember, just quickly on that. Um, there was a fundraising event in Ho Chi Minh a couple of years ago I went to. Um, and uh, one of the students went up on stage and said that um, he remembers this story um, very clearly. And he said um, there was this couple um, who went to a local fur restaurant, ordered two balls of fur, Sat down, the owner gave it to them um, and then uh, started eating it and then they started getting angry and they got up and they walked away. And so this young boy went up and said to the owner, you know, what's wrong? And uh, the owner said, well, they said it was cold. It wasn't very nice. They didn't want to eat it. And Mm. this young boy was like, oh, can I have a bowl? Um, And so he ate one bowl of fur. was like, wow, it's the best thing ever. (laughs) And he's like, well, have the other one if you want it, you know? And so he did. Um, and that was his first meal for two days and then he turned around on stage and he said, that boy was me Mm. and you just go, really? Like it brings it home that there's still a lot of poverty in different parts of Vietnam Um, Mm. and so these kids do come from backgrounds that uh, are very needy so, yeah Um, which is good, so it's nice to know you can actually give back Um, so that's nine grains I guess Um, and then um, so with 9 Grains we have uh, retail component um, which is where I met you um, and then we have our wholesale as well, so we produce bakery products for a number of people um, in and around the old town, about 10 different um, companies um, again, the
0: wicked bakery products
1: yeah. the croissants,
0: I've over, overdosed on them Like
1: yeah, they're, they're uh, a bit addictive I had a ham and cheese croissant this morning for breakfast they're so, evil, yeah. and like particularly well priced for the quality I sure, like, like uh twenty thousand plus tax of twenty two thousand, so a uh, dollar US. You know, so NBA, and it's prop, proper yeah, and I go eight dollars Australian, exactly that's not as good. I know. <laughs> um FIFO Roastery. Um so FIFO Roastery again was uh, a brand that I created um five years ago. And so a lot of people don't know, but Hawaiian used to be called FIFO. And so that was the old name that the French gave to Hoi An and so FIFO is spelled in two different ways. So it's F A I F O or F A I F double O. So there's two ways to spell it, but the French actually did it with one O, not two O's, but then the Vietnamese did it with two O's. So, um, yeah. So hence FIFO roastery, um, so, Which, I with our logo, I've got the Japanese bridge in the center, and so people look at it and go, well, what is FIFO Roastery? It's like, well, FIFO is the, I just got to smell a whiff of that coffee when you turn that there. It's so, it's so uh, it's, powerful and lovely. is, isn't it? It's just that it's that smell of fresh coffee in the morning. It's just Particularly, like Vietnamese
0: coffee seems to be particularly, like, uh, just the scent is...
1: Strong. It permeates really yeah, nicely. I think that's because it's the Robusta bean as well. That's why most Vietnamese know. coffee is Robusta, not Arabica, that we're used to drinking, which is what this was, right, okay. <laughs> that's why, yeah. So 5403, again, originally created um, five years ago, and then part of obviously what I lost, and then um, I've recreated it again, probably about 12 months ago now, um, mm-hmm, started mm-hmm. working on it. Um, the design for the, the bag or um, well, the logo design to start with I, I worked on with a, a guy in Hanoi um, he's done all my um, branding for me before I worked with him in Hanoi um, Branding's
0: um, lovely by the way it's Yeah
1: lovely. look it, it stands out and <coughs> he, he gets me um, mm, because So I, important Because I was his boss in Hanoi um, when I was working for this company he understands how detailed I am and so the thing the thing with Hua is that he will send me three different versions and I choose one. Mm. From that, then I make modifications to it. But sometimes he will just ignore my messages and my emails and go like, I'm not doing any more today because you've changed too many things. (laughs) And I'll be like, well, you have to make it, you know, one millimeter taller on the left and and do this and do this. And he's like, why are you so detailed? It's like, it's got to be perfect. Yeah, yeah. And I guess in so many ways I'm a perfectionist because and it comes back to that GM role thing is that if it's not perfect, the guest is gonna complain. The guest mm. complains, that costs you money. If it costs you money, then you're not doing your job properly and then the owner will question you and say, why did that happen? Yeah, because see, that's, you, that's, that's haven't, a, you haven't you haven't, gone back to that going on. cause and worked out why, <laughs> why it was going to happen in the first place. Mm-hmm. If you worked for like that, then you wouldn't have the guest complain. And this this to you seems, I,
0: I can imagine just seeming ridiculously obviously logical. Like, this is the process. Like, why would you do that? Why would, But you don't need to vocalise that. But I'm sure that's what's going on in your brain.
1: Which I'll explain. I'll explain a story. Remind me, wardrobe. Okay. I don't oh think I told God. you this. i I'll tell you the story after this coffee. So that's why I created Five Roastery. And so then the bag design was important for me. I wanted to look at um, craft paper, um, only because I like the look of it. And and then to keep it natural and men like on here um, with this design. Um, uh, a good friend of mine. Um, he gave it to his mate um, who worked for um, Starbucks in design. And so we sent this to him and he reviewed it and said, yeah, it's really cool. I would just change this or change this, some small, small modifications. And then this is how I came up with this design. Um, And so the boxes like it's got farm region profile, the row state, the altitude and the processing, it's all empty Mm -hmm. because the Farp and his team, we're gonna write it on and so we write it onto the bag. gonna be handwritten. Handwritten, yeah. It's yeah, a nice and touch. It's just, yeah, it is, you know, and it's simple. And then on the back, it, it's got about us um, talking about how we source the beans directly from the farmers themselves. We don't have a middleman that we go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to make sure that during the the, the process um, of of farming, that we're working with the farmers as well. And so Fups down there, he just got back only a couple of days ago. He's in Hanoi now um, talking to some other people about some other things for the farm. And so we're always working with them and making sure that um, we're not certified organic, but we're using organic principles. And so Mm -hmm. to get the certification is quite difficult in Vietnam still, Mm -hmm. Um, but that's something that we're working towards. And so eventually we'll get it, Um, but looking at biodiversity within the plantation process and how we can make things better um, and and give back. It's really important for us and for me. Um, and then it talks about our, um, for Fife for Rosary, it talks about our philanthropy work. Um, and so, because I do so much with Nine Greens on the Streets, so with Fife for Rosary, we're going to support, um, and Karen doesn't know this yet either, I haven't told her. So um, we're going to support Lifestart Foundation. And so Karen Leonard um, just received her OAM, um, Order of Australia Medal, um, wow. for her work in Vietnam for Lifestart Foundation. Amazing lady. Um. So she doesn't. So what's her full name, sorry? Karen, Karen Leonard. Karen yeah. Leonard. Okay, yeah, cool. from from Melbourne originally. Been in. Familiar, for Eighteen, probably, 18 plus years. Yeah. Um. Just received an Order of Australia Medal, but hasn't actually received it yet because she's so busy. Um. <laughs> so we're going to donate twenty percent of every bag that we sell. Twenty percent of that will go to Lifestock Foundation as a donation. Yeah, that's that's compelling, um, you know. As 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 a consumer, twenty
0: percent's a big number. You know, but it's not, not really. But from a consumer's perspective, I mean, I've, I, I can't list the amount of businesses that will give you one, 1% one percent or 5% or sure, something. 20% seems like it's a good
1: chunk. Yeah, I, because I know, I know what it can do. Mm. You know, like Karen was in Hawaii only a couple of days ago and giving some scholarships to these young students who want to be doctors. You know, and just to, to see what the Lifestyle Foundation has done for people in Vietnam as well, um you know karen's been successful in getting grants from telstra before and and other large organizations to build houses for homeless people here Mm. um you know there's just so many things that they do um and to help um you know to help people get a better life really and give them a good head start so um lifestyle foundation um you can check them out online and it's registered not-for-profit in Vietnam and in Australia, so it's tax-deductible. Oh, so yeah, cool. and they sell wine. They do a, a, a lifestyle wine, um, which, um, so if you like a glass of red, order a case, um, so do it. But yeah, she's awesome. Um, and you'll see some interviews with her on- online, but she's great, so. Um, but look, Street, I I Street, there's something about the, the branding, I just love it. I don't know why. It's really cool. Uh, it just um, it works and, and I think it's
0: authentic. It it's, is. It feels like no. it actually harks back to something. It's like, I remember Jeremy Clarkson saying the only reason, the only Japanese con- company, Japanese motor vehicle company yeah. that he really likes is Honda because okay. there's a person behind Honda. There is a Mr. Honda. Mm. <clears throat> and this, sure. this is authentic because it's about Vietnam. It's using Vietnam, growing. Sure. Uh, every, the whole chain
1: is yeah. Vietnamese, essentially. It is and look like I was saying before what we'd like to do in the future um, we've got a farm down in uh, Bac Tra which is a couple of hours about three hours um, near Tam Ky, so um, south from Hoi An um, and then inland um, and it's quite mountainous it's, it's a beautiful area mm. um, and so I, I, I've been there twice already um, and the farm is amazing now and so what we want to do is do a, a coffee tour eventually because actually in Vietnam you can't do a coffee tour Anyway, at the moment. Um, so that's something we're going to do. Um, and we're not going to do like bean to cup as a tool. We're going to do plant to cup. The whole so you can, the whole process. <laughs> from from so earth to see, cup. Yeah, you can see <laughs> the cultivation of, of the crop. You can actually get the coffee cherry. You can open the coffee cherry out, take the seed out, which is the coffee. Mm. Um, and then you can actually have the coffee cherry tea. So the coffee cherry yeah. is then dry and then you add hot water to it, like a a tea bag and like tea leaves, and then you drink it. Is it, there caffeine in the coffee cherry? I don't know. Actually, I should know, but I don't know. Um, I think there would be um, coming from the actual bean itself, um, but it's really really nice. It's so tasty. And it's, like a, to try it's a it's a light subtle. Yeah, it's a light reddish color because of the skin mm. of the cherry that comes mm. into. It's like when you're pressing grapes, and you obviously you can get. Um, uh, you can actually have a white shiraz because you don't put the grapes, the um, skins onto um, uh, when you're juicing it and fermentation process. So gotcha. that's where the colour comes from. So very similar um, in that process because the colour of the the cherries red. And so when you um, let it dry, and then you add hot water to it, the redness comes out.
0: Right. So there's that, that natural slight dye in it. to sure. give it yeah, a natural colour. I love it. Yeah. What, a, what a beautiful kind of to even get more value out of the chain of growing coffee as well. Sure. And even that that bit less wastage. But yeah. see a
1: lot of people don't actually keep a cherry. Most of them are just throw away. Yeah, And so um, if you can get, you ask the farmers to keep it, but some it's it's still a process. So then they have to dry it and then keep it for you. So yeah, it's a bit more difficult, which then leads me into very similar talking about colors. Is the the handmade green tea soap. Um, and we've got the coffee, which I haven't got here now. So still producing, the um, color in this is just wicked. It is the your really vision cool. of having a kiwi fruit. It literally looks like kiwi. It does. And with the tea inside that looks the specs. I don't know if you can see it on the camera. Probably not, but I'll put some shots in. Yeah. after Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's all natural. So, um, actually when we went through production a couple of weeks ago, um, 100 bars were darker because the green tea infused for too long. We left it in for too long. and so This is it, not dyed. No, literally it, it came out and I was like, what is that? And they're like, uh, we made a mistake. I was like, yeah, you made a mistake. What happened? We're like, um, we left the tea in for too long. Like, so you overbrewed the tea. Yeah. I was like, how can you do that? We're like, well, we forgot. I was like, okay. Mistakes happen." As it was, it was okay. Um, The smell is still, you know. Amazing! Incredible! Um, I can imagine really, just a, really, a big vat of this with a whole lot of yeah, green tea. Sure. And, and oh no, we've left the green tea in too long. And the the thing as well is that with this and also so the green tea has actually got real green tea leaves in, obviously, um, which is why the colours were different. Um, <laughs> and the coffee soap has coffee beans, but it's not ground coffee. It's coffee beans smashed up, so then it used it as an exfoliant, so it actually scratches your skin. Coffee which products. So hot, hot right now. It's awesome. So hot. Um, but it's all... It is natural. All of it's natural ingredients. So you can't eat it now. But you could eat it before it was soap. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, which I is cool. That. So, so That's what people want. Like disclaimer, disclaimer do not that. eat it, please. <laughs> um, but look, we are... We... we we've just gone through final production now. And so um, the coffee soap and the green tea soap will be finally packaged in brown paper like this as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It looks really nice. Um, And then um, it'll be available in Hoi An for probably about six or seven outlets in Hoi An, different places. Mm -hmm. And then eventually in Da Nang International Airport, Hanoi International Airport, and Saigon International Airport. Um, Awesome. And then later, probably (coughs) into Australia, but um, uh, and also probably to the U.S., but uh, most likely not under FIFO Roastery, but under another brand um, working with some people now. So, This feels like yeah. a good
0: one if you can get this into the, uh, the, uh, the Business Lounge package for people flying over to mm. Hoi An. Sure. So they get a little, you know, everyone in Business Lounge gets a little kit. Yeah. They get all sorts of stuff. You can get your product in there. If you can get this in there, a coffee scrub or something, man, just incredible possibility
1: i used to know the um actually i won't mention his name just in (laughs) case um but he used to um be one of the head buyers for a company that i actually worked with um and then he worked with Qantas for um many many years as head of purchasing um and so i um i could reach out to dude he's the guy. guy yeah you need to todd i'm not gonna say his last name but todd's from sydney and so um i worked with him years and years and years ago um, but I still know him, so if I reach out and said, "Hey, remember me?" and we worked on this project together when we first launched um, the the online tool, send um, him a nice bar of soap. Yeah, I will, and say, "Hey, presto, let's do this." Put um, in the business lounge yeah, pack, it'd and because nice. everyone who's
0: going to, to Saigon or Hanoi, Ho Chi Minh, or yeah. Hanoi, are pretty much going to find their way down to uh, Hoi An. Most people kind of sure. get towards the
1: middle of Vietnam yep. as well. Hundred percent agree. So, yeah, it makes so a lot of sense. Yeah, so that's Fifer Roastery. Um, I've seen it all before in minibars, don't get me wrong. Um,
0: Note to self, don't get an Andrew's shit list when he's the GM. (laughs) I mean, but I've even even had,
1: here you go, I've even had Virgin Crew, Cabin Crew. Eat a bag of crisps. (laughs) And then get this, then put tissues back inside the bag and get the hair straightener and reseal it. Put it back on the shelf. Sneaky. Dead set. Ingenious. But so sneaky. Here's another one for you. Get a Snickers bar, cut along the back of a Snickers bar with like nail scissors, (laughs) take the Snickers out, look at the shape of the Snickers bar packet. It keeps the same shape. Does it? It stays solid. It stays solid. The, The shape stays the same. So when you put it back in the fridge and it looks like it's there, it's not actually there. Wow. These are things
0: I don't know. I'm alleged to peanuts, so I you don't have this <laughs> problem. <laughs> but, <last> this, past, <laughs> but this is this is the
1: kind of stuff that you you know, people do it. And help them, you know, open three more hotels in the next sort of twelve months. But okay. I wanna do focus on my own projects. I love this really, man. I want you, you know, to keep doing this stuff. So do I. I love it too. So cool. Um, it suits you. You're happy about it, I can see you're I'm, excited. I'm, yeah, it's because I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate mm. about hotels, but I, I wanna be able to I've got in my head as well, from a, a hotel perspective. I've got a a concept i want to work on, and there's a, a family who stayed with us at Almaneri, and um, uh, I was talking to him about my ideas and what I was working on for business back then, and um, he was very a very successful businessman um, from UK, and he said to me, he said Andrew, he said, you're the first person I've spoken to about business that didn't ask me for an investment. Hmm. he said but you're the first person i would invest in oh wow and i was like wow that's a, that's a yeah. Big yeah it was really it was really lovely actually and um i uh, haven't i haven't kept that. in contact with him for a while um but his daughter wanted to study spa and wellness so she went to cambodia um his youngest son was like super super smart um and his oldest boy um was just really chilled out. Used to wear like happy pants, walking around the hotel with dreadlocks and awesome, and. chilled out. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> like complete mixed balance. And, and um, but looking. lovely, lovely, genuine family. And um, just really nice, really nice people. And um, uh, yeah, and I said to him one day I said, well, when I'm ready to, to open this mini resort and complex idea I've got, I'll reach out to you and say, this is what I want to do. And then I said, you know, your daughter can come. If she's still into wellness, then your daughter can come and she can manage it. And, uh, oh, how cool. The whole concept and idea is really awesome because there's no Wi-Fi, no, no phones, no TV, no nothing. Um, and it's a 10-day like retreat you come to. And um, you have a nutritionist and you have a psychologist. There's no smoking. There's a strict oh, plan. Wow. You get this little book, which is like your Bible that you have to write in every day. It scares me um, greatly. Um, and it was like the, like, you know, the, when you go to like Singapore KL and you've got the, the touch screen in the toilet that you can say how <laughs> cleanly it was and if you were happy or not happy, yes. like it's those spaces in every page every day. So you're like, I'm angry because I didn't have my cigarette or I'm angry because you're on, you're on a, you know, decaf coffee, you want your caffeine <laughs> fix. Like that's what you fill in along the way. And then, um, there's a, there's quite a few components to it that I, I've, I've worked on. And I guess because I've worked in different properties, you create you create more ideas and concepts that can work which comes back to products yes. that then people <coughs> want and you know so often you see that you know that coffee people want a really good quality coffee mm. they don't like paying for quality. it you know um but they want a good quality coffee so mm. why can't you buy good quality coffee that doesn't have any chemicals it's not processed in any way it's it's just simple coffee beans that we've taken, we've roasted them, and that's it. Mm. And we put it in a bag. That's what it used to be. So why why do we go away from what we used to do? We, yeah, in, it's, it's amazing, you know, isn't it? it was, we've kind it's, of moved away from the, what the... It should be.
0: The the stripped-back process should be yeah. to give you the best product has been kind of convoluted with middlemen taking sure. cuts. Yep, 100%. Strange processes to get more value out of the bean. Yeah. And you just... It's funny because you're going backwards to move
1: forwards. And, and, and I um, like that. It's yeah, simplifying things. 100%. And it's like, if I said to you right now, Mike, can you please drink this? Well, mm, mm. what is it? No, just drink it. <laughs> trust me. Drink mm-hmm. it. It's good. It's going to be fine. If you've got a brand, you trust the brand. You do. There's so much power but, in the brand association. Well, this is it, right? But what's really in it? Mm, you know, mm. And I think this is the problem half the time is that, especially here in Vietnam, you see it. And you see that. The product you think is natural and you think is good, but actually, it's not. Hence, why we've got five for Ruthie now. Yeah, I, which love is it. Good. I love that you've gone down that path and it's, yeah. it's a good path.
0: I'm gonna run through a couple of quick post fight interview questions, sure. And then I'll let you go because I know you're busy today and I've made you run a little bit over time. Yeah, got another five minutes. Or I, I do, yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. turbo through that part. I think so. Um, okay. Um, the greatest obstacle you've, you've overcome in this process. I mean having your businesses collapse multiple businesses at once through that partnership thing Sounds pretty gnarly. Is that probably the biggest thing or?
1: What what do you think? Yeah, I think it was um, <laughs> It just sounds crazy. Yeah, to, to lose, you know, a substantial amount of money But also to, to lose what you thought was a friendship um, That's the biggest thing. So now um Never, work, never mix business and pleasure together. Mm, um, mm. Always keep it, it's black and white. This is what it is, this is what the contract says, this is it, and everything goes into the contract. Contract mm, um, contract's super important. It's so easily overlooked. Um, and in Vietnam, even if you've got a contract and it's signed, it's not valid. Um, so right. you have to take it to the notary office, get it notarized, get it chopped, and then you do the fingerprint on every single page and you sign your name um, with the fingerprint as well, each party. Oh, so okay. then it's notarised. I and mean, then they've got a copy in the notary office as well. So if it went to court, they bring out the contract, which has been fingerprinted by yourself and say myself and signed as well. Wow, okay. So then you it's- Know your market. So yeah, means. because and if you just signed a piece of paper and said, oh, well, this is our contract, it's not, it's, it's not a valid contract in Vietnam. Mm. So you have to yeah. understand it. And this is one of the things that you, you learn when you live here, um, what you should and shouldn't do. Is there anything
0: on this, on this path to where you are now that stands out that you, you have a regret about or that you would have changed in the process? I mean, I feel like if you get becoming GM at 31, like, you know, it's not like you weren't uh, striving pretty hard from the get-go. So yeah. yeah, is there anything that kind of you went, oh, I would have done this differently or I
1: would have waited longer in the GM role before this or anything like that? I don't, I don't think I've got any regrets ever. Um, everything's a learning curve. You know, um, and I've learned so much more from all these mistakes that have happened before. So, for me, um, I, I think um, I'm glad I've had some mistakes along the way because it's made me become who I am now. Um, but you're always becoming, um, you're always becoming yourself, and things change you as you develop and you get older. Um, it's like the tattoo. You know, I'll become what I know I am. Um, you always know deep inside what you're going to do and how you're going to get there, but Maybe the road's a bit rocky and it goes a different way sometimes, but you always get back to where you want to be. Um, and I think mm. persistence. If you are really confident, you know, you know that gut feeling. Mm. Everyone gets it. Stick with it. I think this is the problem is that some people go, oh, it's getting a bit dangerous, I'll step away. Keep going through it. Because once mm. you do, once you break that barrier, you keep going. You know, you, it just doesn't stop. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I
0: think the persistence is underrated sure and uh, persistence trumps talent yeah <laughs> persistence hundred percent like it really is just about being stubborn and backing yourself and yeah. when you've run out of people telling you you're doing the right thing to only have yourself to keep going forward mm. is really what uh, uh differentiates people who, sure. who succeed in what they want to achieve and not succeed in terms of i made lots of money yeah but succeed in terms of i did what i would planned to do mm. which is the ultimate success exactly right? yeah so now, on that note,
1: thank you so much,
0: cool. Andrew. No, more than welcome. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Doing Epic Stuff podcast. For the latest Doing Epic Stuff happenings, you can find us at facebook.com forward slash doing epic stuff. Or for inquiries, you can contact me directly on mike at doingepicstuff.com. We out.